Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? You're watching another episode of the Lax Factor Podcast. We had the Lyme disease episode of 2019, and this is the stomach bug episode of 2020. I was out with a stomach bug, hence me missing yesterday's episode, so today you get to see me fly by the seat of my pants totally unprepared, which is really just going to show you how much damn college lacrosse that I actually watch. But first, it is time to get that cheddar, and uh, what I wanted to talk about was a sideline swap. It's one of the best places to buy and sell lacrosse gear. Hands down, you can find hard-to-find college gear. Pretty much once the college season ends, if you go to Sideline Swap, you are going to see all sorts of crazy gear that the D3, D2, and D1 kids are just starting to get rid of. You figure some of these D1 kids end up with nine helmets before the end of the year, and they're going to put five of them up on Sideline Swap. So it's a great place to find actually worn college gear, pre-owned heads, shafts, helmets, and more, all up to 70% off retail. You can list gear collecting dust in your garage. More importantly, if you're a parent, you can actually, you know, kids' gear is expensive, so your kid's going to grow out of helmets. They're going to grow, grow out of gloves, shoulder pads. As your kid is growing, sell their old gear, buy them new gear, so it can help you kind of offset the costs. In the end, stop selling your gear on eBay, it's not the best place. The best place to sell your lacrosse gear specifically is Sideline Swap. Go to sidelineswap.com or there is a link in the description below that you can hit them up directly. They also have an iOS and Android app. iOS sucks. Use Android, people. And uh, that's it. So now let's get to this. We are going to talk about a boatload of lacrosse today. First game I wanted to talk about, not because I was surprised in the end, but because it, it does validate uh, it. it it negates one of my predictions was that Hopkins was going to beat Towson. I really did, or uh, Loyola. I thought Hopkins was going to put it together. I was hoping that Epstein was going to play, and I figured that Hopkins would end up beating Loyola. Didn't happen. But it validates my point earlier in the season that I said, despite losing Pat Spencer, despite losing their All-American goaltender, despite losing Chase Scanlon to Syracuse, that Loyola was going to remain a top-20 team. And they proved us correct, at least in this game against Hopkins. 10-7 is the final score, and a couple of things to take away. One, Epstein did start to play this game and was then taken out. I'm not sure exactly how many shifts he played. I did watch it, but it's you know you just don't always see uh, every player on the field, every possession. So I know he was out there for a couple of possessions. Might have even only been one possession per someone on one of the uh, video comments, but Epstein is still not ready to go. I believe he's battling a lower leg injury. Some people had, had even tried to start saying maybe he's got a torn ACL and he's trying to plan a torn ACL. I do not think that it's that. Um, but we have seen people keep torn ACLs secretive with um, uh, Fields uh, a couple years ago or last year. Was it last year? Now I can't remember how, what year Fields graduated. Anyway, I think it was the year before last. So I think it's a lower leg injury, and I think he's legit day-to-day. But why rush him back this early in the season? You don't want to risk this kid's health. You don't want to risk this kid's season if you can get him back game three, game four, and have him be totally healthy. He could have also tweaked it. We don't know what happened. Um the other thing that I think it proves is that Kevin Lindley, I was worried about how is Kevin Lindley going to get the ball? How is Kevin Lindley going to continue to score goals? And he's proving he's going to be able to score goals. He puts up four goals in this game. Aiden Olmstead goes two and one. More importantly, though, offensively for Loyola, you go down the list, they had one, two, three guys put up uh, th- uh, three points or more. Lindley had four goals. Adam uh, Poitras, I don't know how to pronounce that, two and one, and Olmstead two and one. And then they had five guys that put up one point. So they're spreading the ball out. That's excellent. Uh, Schaefer in cage for them for Loyola, 68% save percentage. He had 15 saves against just seven goals against. And Darby 
for Hopkins. His look solid so far. Two games. He's been over 50%, I believe, in uh, both of their games so far. He was not the problem. He went up uh, for 11 saves, 10 goals against offensively, uh, that's the problem for Hopkins. Hopkins' defense has actually held up pretty well considering how horrible uh, they were last week or this weekend against Loyola on the offensive side of the ball. Four scores. Forey Smith, 3-0. and I, f- I figured Forey Smith would be okay. Evan Zinn looked good for a second week in a row, so that's at least a good sign. Connor Simone had a goal. It was just a really bad offensive performance out of Hopkins. Now, this is still not the death note for Hopkins. I think that once they get Epstein back, they're going to just immediately become a much better team. I think everybody would agree with that. But interesting to see how this played out. It was an excellent game. Loyola went balls out. They got an early lead, and they pretty much held on to it. So excellent game, but it, t- it does show us that Loyola is legit. Loyola does not need, I mean, granted, everybody would love to have Spencer, but Loyola doesn't need to have Spencer here to have a good season. A lot of people were writing them off totally thinking they were going to go to the bottom of their conference and maybe, maybe not even end up a top 20 team, maybe not contend for playoff spot, but they are 100% going to contend for a playoff spot uh, and for an NCAA tournament bid and all of that good stuff. So that was good to see. Another game I watched, and I think I'm, I'm going to cover this next simply because you know a lot of people were waiting to see these two teams play was U Albany and Cornell Cornell traveled and played at U Albany so that's that's a good deal for U Albany this year they have Cornell at Albany they have Syracuse at Albany so that's a pretty big deal uh, who else do they have at Albany let's look because uh, that would be let's see they have Syracuse Maryland is playing at Albany this year UMass is playing at oh no no no, no that's not true they're at Maryland this year uh, let's see. So the Cornell and Syracuse are, oh yeah, Cornell and Syracuse are the big ones, but they do play Maryland. They do play Yale. So their schedule is pretty damn brutal. Anyway, good game for about eight minutes, 10 minutes or whatnot. Cornell quickly started pulling away. Uh, what we learned in this game, Albany is still not very good. It's, it's hard to tell, I guess, because Cornell could just be that good. Cornell's, you know, what are they ranked? 11th or something like that at this stage. Cornell put it on him. Jonathan Donville went for five goals. Cooper Telesco for four. Uh, J.J. Lombardi, somebody that I wasn't fully familiar with until uh, this game, 3-0. and He had a sweet goal where he caught the ball high crease, split two defenders with a little bit of a, a, a kind of a fake shot into a slight face dodge and went right between him and scored Piatelli three and zero. what I liked about Piatelli was he carried the ball a little bit especially in kind of uh, slow break situations where he got the ball at the point and then he just carried right to the middle of the field and scored so that was good to see out of Piatelli Teat was one and four Fletcher Connor Fletcher is the X factor for Cornell this year. Connor Fletcher, I think even by his standards, had a down year last year. I expected Fletcher to put up 60 points last year. I think he's that good of a midfielder. I was putting him right below the top midfielders in the country. I was putting him in line with the the three midfielders on the Syracuse line. The kid's a big boy. He's got a cannon. But he had the sickest feed of the weekend. Maybe I'll roll it right now as I'm saying this, if I can remember to cut it in, uh, where he he threw a pass across the field to to, uh, Telesco, and it looked effortless. So Connor Fletcher, one and two, not blowing up the world, but he looked good. He looked good as a Dodger and as a shooter. And uh, Erlen looked solid in cage. Ten ten saves, ten goals against. Albany struggled. Um, Nanakoke, two assists. They they did beat Nanakoke up a little bit, though. I heard a lot of people just say that he disappeared. I think Nanakoke did some some good things. I think he had a second assist at one point. I forget who scored the goal. It may have been Hogg or Yunker, where he got absolutely demolished 
gets wrecked by a double team but got the ball to X to Patterson who then threw it back up to the other side so I think that Nanakok actually looked a lot better I think he looked unselfish which is what they need him to do he's not this crazy ball carrier that's got enough speed to be able to go to the rack like a Lyle Thompson or something like that and then eat all these double teams and soak all these checks he can soak checks he can't get away from them though uh, so I think key for Albany is going to be him continuing to be unselfish. I thought he actually looked pretty good. Um, so it's hard to tell with Albany. It could just be that Cornell's that good, and Albany may you know still be able to win their conference. But I feel like the the America East has gotten a little bit tougher at the top now, and Albany may not be back to there yet. But I upstate New York teams, me being from upstate, I like to see Cornell, Albany. I like to see them all do well, except when they play Syracuse. And that was good to see. Ended up being a good game, though. Cornell 19-10. to and uh, it was it was entertaining. A lot of cool goals. Cornell defensively looked solid at the faceoff X. Cornell looked solid. That was one of their problems last year. So they shored that up. Or once again, maybe Albany's faceoff guy just stinks. We don't know. So we're going to see. But Cornell starts the season out one and zero, and that was good to see from them. I think really the most exciting game of the weekend. One of the biggest games of the weekend. Maryland and Penn. And I actually this is another one of those games where I turned it off. Uh, I might. I don't remember if I turned it off or if I flicked over to another game. But at one point, Maryland was down eleven to six, eleven to seven, and Penn looked like they had a ton of momentum. And I'm thinking, oh man, Maryland is going to get beat up. And then I was kind of upset because I had picked Maryland to win this game by three goals via my lines from last week. And I see that we're going. You know, I'm trying to go toe to toe with at at what is it? Lax Vegas lines or whatever they are. I suspect they're putting their lines together, and maybe they've got some kind of computer algorithm going head to head. And I'm just you know using my dome here. I am going to bring somebody else in to help me put the lines together though to see if we can a little more back and forth will dial us in. But I didn't get smoked by them too badly the first week, and I haven't run the numbers yet this week. So we'll see how that goes. But anyway, what we learned about Maryland this weekend is all of the people who keep saying Maryland's overrated, Mike Rostein, um, they, they're not. They're not overrated. I mean, Penn is a really solid lacrosse team. Uh, Sean Lully, four goals, two assists. Handley, three and two. I mean, they, Adam Goldner, two and two. Uh, Gerger, I forget how to pronounce uh, the, the Dylan Gerger, Gergar's name, but uh, he was uh, three and two. So Penn is a solid lacrosse team. Penn came out on fire and Maryland came once again, comes back from down, deep down in the in the cl- clutches of hell, and beats them seventeen to fifteen. One thing I brought it up on my phone here; it was an interesting stat. Here is Patrick Birkinshaw, the uh, the Virginia transfer goalkeeper that saved Virginia's ass against Princeton last year. Without Birkinshaw and Cage against Princeton, they lose that game hands down. Where the hell are my stats here that I wanted to bring up? And he uh, ended up having nine saves versus 17 goals against, but more importantly, here it is. He had, of course, this is going to load super slow here while I'm doing this, and it's going to load the wrong thing as well. Well, either way, I forget what it was, but I'm pretty sure he had seven of his saves in the first half and only two saves across the entire second half, and I'm not pretty sure. That's actually the stat. I'm I'm positive of that. And Chris Brandau for Maryland was the exact opposite. He put up the bulk of his saves. Let me go to the team stats here. Birkinshaw put up the bulk of his saves in the first half, two in the second half, and Brandau put up, come on, where are your saves, fools? Of course, it's just not going to work out for me. Okay, here we go. Yeah, Brandau, six saves in the first half and 13 saves in the second half. So Brandau, 
Maryland loses this game last year. Maryland did not have the goaltending that would have been required to help them launch this comeback. Brandau hasn't been spectacular, but he has been solid and cage for them, and this proves that he's for real and that he's the right goalie for Maryland right now because when they needed him to make saves in that second half against a high-powered Penn offense, he made those saves. So that ended up being huge. I think that was one of the game changers. Dylan Maltz for Maryland, five goals. Jared Bernhardt, four and two. DeMeo, three and one. Uh, Wisnowskis, one and three. The usual suspects all ended up showing up for Maryland. And like I said, Birkinshaw did not show up for Penn in the second half. That's the difference in that game for the most part. I saw that one thing that I was uh, surprised with Penn, being their first game out and being Maryland's third game, I was surprised to see Penn clear the ball perfectly. They didn't fail a single clear. Uh, That was And and then one thing that was also interesting interesting stat-wise was that Maryland turned the ball over a boatload in the second half during their comeback. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe Maryland plays tight They have a hard time. Maryland tries to be too careful with the ball. Maybe they have a hard time. Maryland opens it up a little bit, plays fast and loose. They start scoring goals and getting crazy because that seems to be what happened. We'll maybe look into this game a little bit later this week, and maybe we'll do a deeper dive into the statistics and what it tells us. But that was a ridiculously good game, and Maryland is not overrated, people. Maryland has earned their spot, and we may end up seeing them climb in the rankings a little bit more before before long simply because their schedule is is brutal and they're always going to play a team worthy of their experience Uh, another good game this weekend that a lot of people were hyped for and I was too and it's another game that I got wrong was Hofstra and Michigan I thought Michigan was going to have a little bit more depth I thought Michigan was just going to be a little bit more ready to go in this game and Michigan loses to Hofstra 12 to 9 the main thing we learned in this game, uh, Clay and Buck and Average for Michigan, they're both solid, 3-0, and 2-1, uh, respectively. Zawada showed again, 2-0 and for Michigan. But Ryan Tierney is the man. Ryan Tierney, I knew Ryan Tierney was good. Everybody knows Ryan Tierney is a good lacrosse player. He had a pass similar to Connor Fletcher's where he threw that thing on a rope across the field. I think it was to McIntosh, just a disgusting feed. But Tierney dominated this game. He goes 4-4 four and four on the day, 8 points. Ryan Sheridan, three goals. Dylan McIntosh, two goals. So Hofstra's offense is as good as advertised. They, you know, granted, Michigan is not at the top of the, the Big Ten by any means, but it is a big conference team. It is a big school with a lot of money. And Hofstra, not a big school with a lot of money, but definitely a school with a ton of lacrosse tradition. And to see Ryan Tierney trash on them, Ryan Tierney will be in the conversation for the Twarton come the end of the season, I believe. I don't know that he'll end up being a finalist, but he is definitely going to be in the conversation and in the hunt all season long. So, that was a good game. And I got that one wrong. I, I'm, I'm happy to admit when I get things wrong, for sure. Another crazy uh, outcome, not a great game, but another crazy and very telling outcome is Army and Rutgers. And Army is kind of putting the whole the whole country on notice here for the most part. Army is now 3 and 0 and they have been beating teams up. And what we what we knew coming into the season was we knew Army's offense was going to be loaded. They just got way too many guys back. And it was, it was obvious that they were going to be able to put up points. What I was worried was losing Beretta, losing some defenders. 
I was worried that was going to hurt them and that defensively they were going to struggle. That has been the opposite of the case. Their defense legitimately almost looks better thus far than they were last year with an All-American in cage and an All-American on defense. You know, they had the best goalie in the country, arguably, or one of the best goalies in the country, and then one of the best defenders in the country. And what's been interesting to see is that their defense has put really good teams on lock. They held UMass, I think, to four goals, and UMass is legit. They just beat Ohio State this weekend. Rutgers had put up a ton of points so far this season at two and sitting at two and one now that Army beat him and Rutgers only puts up four goals. A 15-4 spread against Rutgers is proving that your team is solid. And offensively, Jacob Morin, five goals, Sean O'Brien, three and one, Gunnar Phillip, two and oh. Uh Nick Turn was quiet, but he still had three assists on the day. And this goalie man, this goalie Wyatt Schupler is legit right now he's got to be on pace to set records the kid had 16 saves versus just two goals against the other two goals came against the backup that spelled him after the route was on so if this kid can keep playing like this not only will he end up being an all-american as a freshman he's on pace and he's playing good teams so far this kid's on pace to set records with the save percentage that he has so far let's uh take a quick look at what he's done so far. Three games so far. These three games were against UMass, a very solid lacrosse team, just beat Ohio State, New Jersey Tech, they're not great, they're terrible, and Rutgers, you know, a two and one team. So two two teams with winning records so far, and this kid has 31 saves, just six goals against with an 84% save percentage. But then you go down the list, the first backup has a 67% save percentage, and the other two guys are both at 100%. So uh, I was actually talking to Beretta's, uh, Beretto's dad um, last night in a Facebook forum and uh, Facebook group, and he was saying that our Army's goalies are always a really tight-knit group of people. He said that Beretto played with just really solid kids. He just happened to be the kid that got to start through his career, uh, but that all of those goalies there that are good, that um, Albarisi just knows how to pick goalkeepers, I'd posit that he knows how to train up and and develop goalkeepers because Army always has a solid defense, and more importantly, they always have solid goalkeepers. It could just be the Army kids are just crazy enough to always be sick in the cage because it requires a special kind of crazy to be a goalkeeper at the Division One level. But, man, watch this Wyatt Schupler kid, 84 freaking percent after three games with two of those teams being known solid quantities. So that was good to see for Army. And – what else we got here? We're going to talk about North Carolina beating up on Lafayette. Now, listen, man, North Carolina hasn't played a whole lot yet, and they're going to get tested, I believe, in this upcoming weekend. This weekend against Lafayette, who's 0-3, 24-8. to So they are putting up a ton of points, but they're beating up on on teams that are lower level. Trippy 4-1, Cook 4-0, Chris Gray 3-4. So he just continues his dominance. Nikki Solomon, good to see again, 2-5. Brendan Cameron, 2-2. Two two. Justin Anderson, 2-2. Two uh, North Carolina is truly going to be a pick-your-poison team. Yes, that was Lafayette, but it does not matter who they will play. You take away Nikki Solomon, Chris Gray is going to torture. You take away Solomon and Gray, Trippy, um, Cameron, Anderson, all of these guys can dodge, all of these guys can feed. North Carolina is a solid team, and it will be scary to see. Caton Johnson hasn't been as good as I expected in cage so far this season. 
but that that you know that'll be just maybe sometimes you play down when you're playing bad teams and you get big leads and things like that his save percentage so far this season is 57 percent, so that's not terrible um versus but they played colgate mercer and lafayette this weekend we get to see how good they really are they play hopkins if epstein's back i expect this to be a battle uh if epstein is not back whoo who knows? They could they could possibly beat up Hopkins because uh, granted Hopkins has been okay on defense, but offensively, eh, not so much. So let's see what else we got here. That's gonna be it, you know, because uh, what we have to do is split this up into two into two shows, and I got to do another show tomorrow. So one of the things that I think is going to be key in this coming up week here is that there's there's going to be a bunch of games. I think this one game I'm going to watch closely is this North Carolina and Hopkins game. And let me bring up the schedule, actually, so we can actually take a look. Another huge game this weekend is going to be Syracuse and um, Army at the Dome. So Army always comes in and plays Syracuse tough at the Dome. I'm exceptionally nervous about this game for my beloved Syracuse simply because Army is putting on a clinic offensively and they're putting on a clinic defensively. And Syracuse is a team, I don't know what it is about the Dome, but for some reason when Syracuse plays even lowly teams like Binghamton, when you saw this weekend, that Binghamton goalie stood on his head. Oftentimes I complain that Syracuse teams tend to make goalies look good. That Binghamton goalie in this game made himself look good. He was robbing the Syracuse kids left and right. So that 17-4 score, it could have been a lot worse if it wasn't for that Binghamton goalie, and it was not Syracuse shooting poorly. That Binghamton kid was legit. I'm worried that we've got a really hot goalie coming into the Dome. We've got a team that is playing top-notch lacrosse offensively and defensively. What's what's that going to do to Syracuse in the Dome here? Um, you got to expect every team's going to lose a couple of games this season, but... I'm the one thing that we have going for us is we have the Syracuse magic. And more importantly, um, Syracuse is one of those teams that tends to play down and they tend to play up Syracuse. That's why they've got the nickname cardiac Cuse. They're going to, they're going to play a one goal game with a Colgate on the road at Colgate. When they used to play them there, they're going to play a tight game every once in a great while with a team like Hobart, even where they shouldn't, because I think that when you, especially when you play in the dome, everybody gives you your best game. But when you play these longtime rivals like Colgate and Hobart and Albany and Cornell, um, they're going to always give you your best game no matter where you play them. So that game is going to be one to watch this weekend, and we'll do a preview uh, a little bit deeper into it. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, coming up this week, we have a bunch of Tuesday games coming up that we're not going to preview for the Thursday show, so I'll talk about quick now. Uh, Villanova and Maryland. Villanova played Yale semi-tough this weekend, so on any given day, Villanova's been known to upset people and play them pretty good. Um, who else we got? Marist is playing Army. Uh, to, uh, today. Today's Tuesday. Yeah. Marist is playing Army here today. Princeton Colgate. I think Princeton will probably put it on Colgate. So it'll be interesting to that. That's going to be important game for Princeton. Just prove, hey, where are you at this year? Are you going to be the Ivy League team and a contender that we need you to be? Or are you going to be back to the basement again? And another good game tonight is uh, Richmond and Navy. Navy beat up on Furman this weekend. I forget what the score was. It was like 17-4 or something like that. And that's that's a lot of people were like, yeah, but it's Furman. But Furman's not a, necessarily a team that gets beat up that badly. So that was a good sign for Navy that offensively they put a bunch of points up. And Richmond is a solid team. So that'll be a really good gauge for Navy. What else do we have? Bryant and uh, Boston U. Uh, let's bring up the calendar here. And then this weekend... As I go down the list of important games, uh, let's see. Oh, we have Friday is the the nightcap game, Towson against Cornell. 
Uh, it's Cornell at Townsend, actually, so that's going to be a big game. Loyola and Rutgers play this weekend. That's one of the games we'll preview in Thursday's show. Virginia and Princeton on Saturday, another game we'll preview in Thursday's show. We have Bucknell and Ohio State. Bucknell's 3-0. and They're putting up some points playing Ohio State. Ohio State's traveling to play at Bucknell. Maryland and Navy Saturday. Uh, the midshipmen are heading to Maryland to play. A big one, one that everybody should be excited about, Yale at Penn State. So that's going to tell us a lot about both of those teams. Penn State has not been lighting the world on fire with their offensive prowess over the last couple of weeks, and I wonder if that's partly by design because you play fast and loose, you end up giving up some more goals defensively, and that's one of their problems last year was, sure, they could outscore most teams, but when it mattered most, they could not outscore uh, everybody in the playoffs, and then they end up losing. We've got Hopkins, North Carolina. That's going to be a big one. Um, Who else here? Duke, Penn. That's going to be huge. And then, like I said, we have Syracuse at Army on Sunday. So we'll preview all of those games for you all And that's going to be it. In tomorrow's show, we are going to talk about other games from the weekend that took place here. My stupid stupid, uh, browser is freezing up on me here. I was going to talk a little bit about Bucknell and Sacred Heart. We're going to talk about the Syracuse game. We're going to talk about Villanova-Yale over the weekend. So come back tomorrow, and we'll talk about a bunch more games that we didn't get to. Virginia-Lehigh. So tomorrow's show, we're going to talk about a bunch more games from the weekend, from this prior weekend, and then come back Thursday and we'll preview all of the games that are interesting to me, at least, for the following weekend. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, link in the description to uh, visit our our new sponsor, Sideline uh, Swap. And as always, you can go to laxfactor.com to support the channel beyond that. You can buy yourself gear, hats, t-shirts, shirts, polos, mugs, all of that good stuff, laxfactor.com. And that is it. Thank you. This was the stomach bug episode of 2020. Tomorrow, I should be a little bit more on point because I will not still be recovering from a stomach bug that resulted in me losing four pounds. Woohoo! It's like I got a colonic or something like that. I'm sure you all wanted to know that. So that is it. Thank you for watching, and I'll be back tomorrow.